Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the audience. Um, you could be doing anything you want in your life right now and you're listening to me. So I appreciate that. Big shout out to the audience. I want to jump into the show today. And one of the things I want to talk about, first of all, I have typically, well not typically, Every episode, there's a script, there's an outline, there's kind of, um, you know, a walkthrough of the items I want to get to on the show, and we try to do it in a fashion that's not too long, not too short, just right. That's what she said. Um, so that's kind of the way I structure the show. Um, so I had everything structured on the show today, and one of the things just to go behind the scenes, I think sometimes, you know, you listen to a show or any show, whether any podcast, any show, you just assume somebody just kind of grabs a mic and just starts, you know, you know, ranting into it. But um, typically there's a little bit more structure to that, you know, from both from a production side and then from a content side. So, you know, it's not really kind of um, extemporaneous train of thought. So. You know, to be able to do the show, you've got to be able to di uh, dictate, dedicate time to it. Um, you really got to, you know, carve out time throughout the day to really work on it. Um, you know, like everyone else, you know, work, family, etc. Things get in the way. It's hard to plan the show out. So, you know, you're planning the show out, um, doing work, family, etc. And I happen to look up on the TV screen. Right before I started the show and I see the headline, Governor Brian Kemp announced Thursday he is suing Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms over the city's mass mandate, claiming the measure violates his emergency orders. A lot to unpack there in that sentence. Um, I've been hard on the governor of Georgia. I don't want to you know, kind of go through ground that we've already touched and you can check out in earlier episodes of the podcast. But, yo, Brian Kemp, yo, what the fuck? And I say that not in an attacking, you know, what? there's many ways that you can interpret, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck as it's about to, the first words uttered, you know, when a, start, a fight's about to break out, you know, what the fuck, and type like an angry retort to something that you've heard. But really, what the fuck, in my mind, is more based off of just shock, surprise, and, you know, utter disbelief. Like, what the fuck? You know, how did we get to this point where the governor is suing a mayor over a mask ordinance. Think about that for a second. We know objectively, science has told us that if for whatever the reason, you have to go outside and interact with other human beings, you should wear a mask, right? There's no one that's disputing that that's a scientist or a doctor. You know, now Rush Limbaugh, you know, the Sean Hannity of the world, even though I think eventually Sean Hannity even came around to it. You know, they may tell you otherwise, but there's never been an actual scientist or doctor who has told you that a mask is not one of the most significant ways you can mitigate the spread of the disease. 
So what the fuck, Brian Kemp? And maybe Brian knows some shit that the rest of us don't know. And I invite Brian to edify us. Like, tell me, help me understand what's the thought process behind a scenario that you have embraced like death. <laughs> or better yet, I don't say death, embraced the, you know, just, just the opportunity to flaunt death, to give death the middle finger you have just embraced that, and not only have you embraced that, you've embraced that for the rest of your state. Let me give you, and this is another piece of this is just so fascinating because I'm not like you know as much as you know I am. I'm like you know just like the rest of you guys, but I'm not really a big social media guy. So like, if you said something on Twitter, I would not hear about it unless it hits you know, CNN or the post or television and some, but just you tweeting wouldn't really get me, get my attention or I would never follow what you're saying. If that's just the way that you were transmitting information, but here is the governor. He is, and he says this, he says this, this lawsuit is on behalf of the Atlanta businesses, business owners and their hardworking employees who are struggling to survive during these difficult times. Kemp tweeted. Now, let's just think about something for a second. He's suing, right? This is just his words. On behalf of business owners and their employees who are, quote unquote, struggling to survive. Let's take him at his word that he's doing this because these people are, quote unquote, struggling to survive. What? would be a worse way to protect their lives than to literally tell every individual who wants to frequent their stores it's all good to walk in and potentially spread a contagious disease that's allowable, that's acceptable that's some shit that we should be doing but this is literally what he's saying to you. And, you know, Brian Kemp has graduated from college, right? So he has a modicum of education. Uh, he's surrounded by AIDS. And you assume that those AIDS have, you know, gone to some college or have some type of uh, degree or degrees. You know, he's got literally doctors and scientists that are on his payroll. He is the governor. And you just have to wonder, like, is everybody that is everybody good with this? Is everybody who works with the governor gives the governor advice? Are they good with this? Did they say, yo, this is what you need to be doing? Did the doctors and the scientists that the state of Georgia employ? Were they even consulted? And if they were, did they sign off on this shit? Or what was their response when he said this dumb shit? What was anybody's response? Did anybody who works for this motherfucker think to themselves or say out loud, what the fuck? Because I would have said it. You know? If I was at my job and my boss said, you know, you know what would be a real good idea? Would be a real good idea. You know, it's like, yeah, I know, you know, it's under a pan we're in a pandemic and you've been quarantined, working from home, 
But, you know, I know that can be monotonous. So what we're going to do to change up the monotony, what I think is going to be a good idea, because I know you're struggling. I want you to go. I want you to get a blender. And then I want you to fucking just stick your hand in the blender. Just, just stick it in the blender while the blender's running. And that'll give you enough excitement for the day. You know, like just just stick it in there. See how close you can get your hand in the blender before you fucking get cut up. That's the excitement I want to give you today. As an employee, I would literally say not just internally, but out loud. What the fuck? What the fuck? Number one. Number two, do the people who work around the governor, do they wear masks? Because you know he's not wearing a fucking mask. But do these motherfuckers wear masks? And I'm just going to say, if you literally work for this motherfucker, you go back and work, forth to work every day, you're at home, you've got no mask, you're on the streets, you're at the bars, you're at the clubs, you got no mask. And now you're working in front of the governor. You're talking to the governor. Your mouth's open. The governor's mouth's open. Just germs and shit just freely just flowing in the air. Germs doing the Macarena in the air. And this is going on. Like, does it take, like, one of you motherfuckers just to drop dead? For Literally, does it take a person talking to the governor and then just literally convulsing on the floor and then just die. Is that what it takes for this dude to just be like, yo, perhaps there's some value in science. Perhaps. So that's the governor of Georgia, of the great state of Georgia. One of the things that, you know, I find interesting, and we've talked about this before, is that there's a confluence of events, right? There's the pandemic. There's the health concerns. There's the economy. There's race relations. White people, or at least some white people, have been forced to come to terms with the fact that, hey, maybe white folk haven't been that great or that nice to black folk. Maybe. And I can just only imagine if I was forced to come to terms or at least tacitly acknowledge that, hey, we've been doing some uncool things to black folk. If I was a white person, I could imagine that after a certain point in time, I'd be like enough of this already. Who is going to be the messenger for that message. Who's going to be the black person who's going to step in front of the hot mics and cameras of Fox News and tell white folk it's going to be okay? Not only white folk is it going to be okay, the way you've been treating niggas in general is justified because, hey, black folk are scary. See, you can't have a white person say that. Well, you can. You can definitely have a white person say that. But that's typically done in like the Klan meetings. 
you know, on some, it's never, it's typically not done on the air of Fox News. Now, if you're a writer for Tucker Carlson's show, you can say that in chat rooms and all other sites of type of white shit. You can say all that type of racist shit, but you can't fucking say it on the air. But guess what you can do? You can do one better. You can do one better and you can do the thing that white people have perfected. And it's called finding the black friend. Let the black person do it. Because it can't be racist if another black person is saying it. Speak truth to power, black friend. So, I saw this, I saw this on the internet, and I had to click on it for more information because I was intrigued. Let me read you the headline. Fox News to air Harris Faulkner special on national conversation on race. You, you, you had me at a look. You combine... Fox News conversation on race and then you spice in a little Harris Faulkner boom yo you got me you've got me in a way that is going to make me tune in at 10 p.m. the show will feature and so this is again you got it you can't just get one black friend we're going to go hard we're going to get the cavalcade of the safest Negroes in America. The show will feature Tim Scott, my homie Tim Scott. The black Congress, when he was in Congress, refused to join the Congressional Black Caucus. My man Tim Scott, love him, respect him. Formal in, former NFL player Herschel Walker. Joe Gamini or Galmini. National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police. Definitely want to hear what this dude's got to say about uh, choking out and killing black folk. Definitely want to get his perspective. Dallas Maverick owner, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban can definitely speak to the black experience. He owns a lot of black players or he has a lot of black players that play for him. He's been in the locker room. Kicked it with these dudes. He can talk to this issue. Also appearing will be Fox News host Sean Hannity. Had to get fat jowled Sean Hannity in the mix. Love it. And contributor Alveda King and Giannano Caldwell. So let's just go through again, you know, I don't know why Herschel Walker's here. Like, I don't even know if Herschel Walker knows why he's here. But Herschel Walker is part of the panel. I just literally, if, if, if see, this is Fox News. This is a this is a national channel. A national channel of news worth billions of dollars. And you think if they wanted to, they could probably pretty much get, you know. Any black talking head or thought leader to come on the show. And their decision was Tim Scott, Herschel Walker, the vice president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Mark Cuban, Sean Hannity, 
a person I've never heard of, and another person I didn't I've never heard of before, Gianno Caldwell. Now I was so intrigued by the name Gianno Caldwell, I asked myself, is Gianno a black dude or a white dude? The name Gianno may suggest that he is Italian, but the name Caldwell definitely suggests that he is a black person. Googled his name, and indeed he is a black person. Um, not only is he a black person, if you go to his website, there is a picture of this brother wearing suspenders. So, he is who he thought he is. Like, literally, there's a picture of this brother. He's got on a pair of slacks. He's got on a shirt with his... uh button-down shirt with his sleeves rolled up like he's about to get to get into business getting into some serious thought and he's got on some fucking suspenders and a tie so if you met this dude on the street and he came up to you and he said hey you know do you have the time i would automatically think this nigga is like an informant for the police he looks like a collaborator with the police. That's what he looks like to me or the federal government. That's what he looks like to me. So he strikes me as in this picture. But what the fuck did I know? Um, he's also an author. He wrote the book, Take It For Granted. How conservatism can win back the Americans that liberalism failed. I've never read this book. But if Gianno wanted to holler at me. I could give him the solution to the question that he has raised in this book. If conservatives want to win back black folk, I would suggest, Gianno, that perhaps conservatives cannot, can stop advocating for policies that actively undermine the health and welfare of black folk. Hashtag don't be racist. Hashtag stop being a cocksucker. But I've never spoken to the brother. I'm sure his book is magnificent. Uh, Fox says the show will focus on the protest following the death of George Floyd. Yes, let's not focus on George Floyd's murder. Let's focus on the angry black folk on the street because that's exactly what we want to do to scare poor, gentle white folk. I always find it funny and it's like kind of the go-to move to be like, there's niggers on the street. Niggers are riding. The majority of white folk don't even live next to black people. They rarely, if ever, interact with a black person unless it's like the fucking gardener, and that's probably a Mexican at this point in time, or, you know, maybe he's the mailman that you see, or, you know, maybe, I don't know. But most white people don't even live near, by, close to, adjacent to black folk. So this concept of angry mobs of black folk is like so, it's so shocking you know, it's like, you. I can just imagine, you know, a portly, 
you know, mid-50s white dude sitting in his recliner, turning on Fox News and getting stories of, inundated with stories of angry black folk attacking poor, helpless, defenseless statues. What could be worse? Perhaps the stories of uh, dirty immigrants coming over the border of Mexico. I don't know what's worse, but this is the story. Um, they focus on other things they're going to discuss is to fund the police, another dog whistle, and the removal of statutes, another dog whistle. And nowhere in here is there any discussion about Oh, they said that the, 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 you know they'll also talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and how it should be all lives matter. I'm just assuming that I don't know that for a fact. But the point is, none of these topics, or at least they've 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 listed here, talk about anything about the underlying treatment of black folk. It's a whole bunch of bullshit to get white people angry and to make white people feel justified. In the status quo. And guess what? You are not a racist. Why am I not a racist? Because my black friend on Fox News told me I was not a racist. My only real shock and surprise and disappointment as it relates to this show is where the fuck is Terry Crews when you need him? I need Terry Crews. There's a whole show to be done about Terry Crews. I used to think that the shit he was doing to do on television, like, you know, the dancing and all that shit was kind of like a subversive move. But now I just think that's his deal. I just think that this nigga is just a shucking job type of dude and you can't take the shuck out of the job out of this motherfucker. It's in his DNA. So I believe Terry Crews after saying like, you know, this is just so many coon comments and I don't really have time to get into, but he did, you know, throw up another distracting comment. He said in the middle, you know, again, we're now we're in the middle of quarantine, in the middle of a pandemic, black people are dying. These are objective facts. You know, white people even starting to die. These are objective facts. You know, the president is basically allowing the Russians to have put bounties on U.S. soldiers. Objective facts. President is pardoning his own cronies who appear to refuse to turn on him and risk going to federal prison. Objective fact. And Terry Crews tweeted out, defund Pornhub. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. To step into the void of fucking utter bullshit. Well done, Terry Crews. Well done. So, if you've watched, you know, any news or seen any polling, you can't find a poll that suggests that Donald Trump is winning in his bid or ahead in his bid to become or to get a second term can't find it there is no poll not even fox news can come out with a poll that shows this motherfucker with the basic average is like he's down in 10 points basically everywhere 
So, shit's starting to get real. And one of the things, you know, you have to understand, and you probably do, which is presidential politics, in many respects, is advertising. And it's all about your brand and your competitor's brand. So you've got to brand your competitor with something and then let that motherfucker stick. Right? When John Kerry ran against Bush, they called him a flip-flopper. They branded him as that shit and he could never get out from under it. When Mitt Romney ran against Obama, they painted this motherfucker as a basically a rich, uncaring dude who would just destroy gut companies from Bain Capital. They painted him as that shit. That shit stuck. He never could get from out from under it. Trump ran against Hillary Clinton. It was the whole Benghazi thing. Crooked Hillary. She ran. He branded her as a crook. She could never get out of it. Some of that is thanks to James Comey. But that's a whole nother episode. So my point is. The key. To. Presidential campaigning. At least the modern day version. Of presidential campaigning. Is that you tar and feather. And brand your opponent. As soon as possible. And then just keep fucking tagging them on it until election day how many times did you hear Donald Trump scream crooked Hillary so now we are less than six months away from another election what is Trump branded Joe Biden with Right? He was starting to get some traction with the whole Hunter Biden thing. But this fucking little, little small detail called a fucking pandemic got in the way. So as much as he wants to call Joe Biden Sleepy Joe and hey, Joe Biden is, you know, not bright or he's too old and all that kind of shit. That sounds good. But it's hard to brand someone else when you yourself are being branded every day as an incompetent, do-nothing jackass. And that's what the pandemic shows you every fucking day is this guy swinging and missing Trump to gain any traction at all. So whether it's talking about putting bleach into your skin whether it's talking about, you know, this is somehow Obama's fault, any of the bullshit that he's tried to run out there or, hey, just learn to live with it. You know, he's tried everything in his power to make youth not realize or to distract from the reality that there is a coronavirus, there is a contagious disease that is spreading unchecked through the United States of America. He's trying every fucking thing in his power. None of his worked. He's down by more than 10 points. 
So what do you do? You go back to your book, your playbook. And what is the Donald Trump playbook? It's not me. It's you. You're fired. So let's fucking fire somebody. Let's fire the guy who runs your campaign. Brad Pascal. Brad Pascal is an American digital consultant and political advisor who served the digital media who served as digital media director for Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. He then became the campaign manager for the Trump 2020 re-election campaign. So let's just unpack that for a minute. There's two key things to take away from Brad. Bad Brad has done really two interesting things in his life. One, he was the digital consultant. What does that really mean? Parcell was able to utilize Facebook advertising to directly target individual voters in swing states. Parcell letter said that he was able to target specific universities who cared about infrastructure and promoted Trump and his message to back up uh, the crumbling American infrastructure. Right. Although he was hired through Cambridge Analytica to assist with micro targeting and Cambridge Analytica stated that it was a key to Trump's victory. Pascal denied that he gained any assistance from the firm thanks to Cambridge Analytica's use of psychological demographics. Doesn't even matter. I think the point to realize here is that while he wants to tell you that he did it all on his own, he created all this shit on his own. He did two things. One, he basically ran the Facebook trolling. So if this guy is doing the Facebook trolling from the Trump side, I wonder if he had any assistance from the Russians who were also doing some trolling of their own. So I guess the little that I think the most benign question to ask is there are two groups there's a Trump group and there's a Russian group. Objectively, we know that both groups were trolling Facebook, targeting Facebook users. I wonder, just talking out loud, if the Russians and my boy Brad ever bumped heads, ran into each other at a bar, I don't know, maybe had a conversation about said trolling since they were both doing the same fucking thing. Or perhaps they were one and the same. We may never know. But here's one thing we do know. While, while Brad, bad Brad, lost his job, he didn't lose out. He was just demoted to another job. Think about that for a second. He's such a shitty campaign manager that they had to fire his ass. But he's not really fired because he just has another job. So he's still getting paid. Do you think Bad Brad took a pay cut? They just moved him over here. Let him keep getting his money. Hush money. And just let him do his thing. 
So you may ask, meet the new guy, same as the old guy? Let's talk about the new guy. Um, he's been, Brad, Bad Brad has been replaced. He's been replaced by Bill Stepien. Bill Stepien's claim to fame is that he was one of the dudes that was involved in Bridgegate. On January 9th, two days after nominating Stepien for the chairmanship of the New Jersey Republican Party, Republican Party, Chris Christie, then governor of New Jersey, announced that he had lost confidence in Bill's judgment and asked Stepien to withdraw his name. The turnaround was a result of Stepien's work on Christie's re-election campaign, where he became embroiled in the Fort Lee Lane closure scandal to the George Washington Bridge. So for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a certain mayor in New Jersey that they wanted to send a message to, so they decided to, sl uh, to close certain lanes on the bridge to prevent traffic from getting out of that uh of that jurisdiction fuck you go close the bridges uh, apparently that didn't go over very well so there was a big scandal investigators eventually discovered that stepien was in a romantic relationship with bridget kelly his replacement as christie's deputy chief of staff so let's think about first of all i i could do multiple podcasts multiple podcasts just talking about how many dudes in the Trump circle whether it be during the campaign after he took office how many of these dudes have been embroiled in some weird fucking your co-worker type of deal like there's been so many of them that have fucked their co-workers that's just weird I mean, look, you do what you do. I'm not here to judge anybody, but can that shit be, can that shit really be a coincidence? Like everybody is just fucking like what kind of work environment is going on where basically every fucking person that you bring in either has previously in their past or is currently fucking somebody at work. Ew. But that's the new dude. So I'm sure, I'm just sure that Bill Stepien is going to be able to turn it around. Um, here's the thing that I want to talk about very briefly, and I want to leave you with this. And I'm going to read you this brief blurb. And I'm going to put it under the title of fake news. The Federal Reserve which long came under withering attack from President Donald Trump for not doing enough to boost the economy, is now drawing fire for a massive rescue of U.S. corporations that's driving up Trump's favorite barometer of success, the stock market. The Fed's month-long effort to support hundreds of companies hammered by the coronavirus is also propping up weak firms and subsidizing large ones like Apple and Amazon that don't need the help. As a result, critics say it's inflating stock prices, 
stock prices, widening wealth inequality, delaying a wave of inevitable defaults, and directing investments into poorly run corporations at the expense of long-term vitality of the economy. This shit is all fabricated. It's all fabricated. And when I mean this shit, I mean this economy. It is all fictional. It is fictional. It is propped up. It is a facade to keep you from looking underneath the hood and realizing that it is all bullshit. Because the hope is, by the time you realize it, November will have come and gone. So this is a guy whose lone claim to fame, if you ask him, is the economy. And when he means the economy, he really means the stock market. And I'm just read from you. The reality is that the stock market, the numbers that you see right now are artificially induced and they're going to crash just like a sugar high. That's the hoax. That's the fake news. Yo, I want to wish the audience, you know, I want you guys, the, I wish for you the best. Um, I want you, as I always say, stay safe, stay situated, stay calm, stay positive. Peace.